welcome to Tracy Cochran's weekly guided meditation at the Hudson River Sangha. Tracy's teachings are given freely. If you'd like to support the teacher and the Sangha, please visit Tracy's website at tracycochran.org. There you'll find ways to donate, and any contribution will be welcome. Enjoy the guided meditation. I wanted to tell you a little story about his life. And some of you may already know this, but it's of interest since we have been beginning to discuss how this way of seeing, this way of connecting with ourselves could help us live a better life, a more ethical life, or however you conceive of it. At any rate, Thich Nhat Hanh was a peace activist in Vietnam during the war, and he didn't take sides. He and his group, they refused to take sides, north or south. And the consequence of that was that the communists in the north didn't trust him. And the pro-American forces in the South didn't trust him. He refused to take sides. So he and his group were in this extraordinarily uncomfortable position because they wanted to focus on peace, not taking sides. And the upshot of it is that he was expelled from Vietnam by the South. And he was living in exile when he became this person that we knew of as the father of mindfulness. He was in exile from his home. It was extraordinarily painful for him. And he was not allowed to go home until practically the end of his life. So here's the story. When he was in his 30s, he came to the States and did a master's or a fellowship or something in Vietnamese Buddhism at Princeton Theological Seminary. But in the course of his studies, he found himself using the library at Columbia University, Butler Library. Some of you might know it. And one night, close to closing time, he wrote in his journals, he described those, he took a book from a shelf. It was a book related to his area of study, so he was eager to read it. But he happened to look at the back page where there was a card. There used to be a card that would note who took the book out. And he noted that this book was published in 1892 and had immediately been given to Columbia University. 
and then it wasn't checked out until 1915. Somebody took it out. And then one more person in 1932. And then finally, Thich Han in 1962, three people in all those years took this book out. And he describes being full of a sense of poignancy and this desire to hug those other people. And he knew, of course, that he couldn't because they were long gone. But it, it prompted in him a kind of storm, this extraordinary feeling that culminated in the realization that what he was, what he took himself to be, was a kind of fabrication of story made up of likes and dislikes, values being for and against. And, and he was reaching out for some kind of connection with others like him, very natural feeling. And just as a side note, I told my daughter the story today who worked at the Bodleian Library at Oxford. It's a huge library and a copyright library. So it gets copies of every book published in the UK, kind of like the Library of Congress. And she said, oh, I know that poignancy because sometimes we'll come across old books who have never been read. They've never been read. And we know it because the pages are uncut. And it, it's very poignant to think of the yearning and the effort and, and the wish that went into the creation of this, this book. And no one reading it. But anyway, so Thich Nhat Hanh had that feeling and that yearning for connection and then seeing suddenly that what we take ourselves to be is not in truth who we are, or not the whole truth. Because he could see in this epiphany of sorts, the storm that gave way to a deeper seeing, standing there in Butler Library, that what we also are is this awareness that meets what it sees. And it's so interesting that, that he described it as a storm because so many other great beings and, and the rest of us have experienced what he means as a storm. When that feeling appears of yearning, of emotion, of who am I appears. And then sometimes, sometimes a glimpse of something in us behind that sees. 
And so what we're invited to do when we practice, and I, I owe the following quote to uh, my noble friend Eric, who sent it. Um, um, a Zen master once said, that if we want things to stand clear before us, avoid being for or against. He called that a disease of the mind. And it's very natural. It's not like just a few of us have this disease. It's a tendency of the mind to evaluate to judge, to decide what we're for or against. And it's a very healthy wish. We wish to be good, to, to contribute, to live good lives. We don't want to just gape from the sidelines. But this attention, this awareness, this presence that we are cultivating together isn't that kind of standoffish, tepid bystander. It's an awareness that can meet the storm, so to speak. As Thich Nhat Hanh went on to say, there are dilemmas, there are feelings that can't be resolved except by living them, by weathering them. And that dilemma ultimately is, who am I? Who am I, really? And that invitation, one of my teachers called it, living the drama. You have to be willing to live your drama. The invitation is to see that for all our yearning to render the truth in words, thinking of those authors, to, to express and articulate the truth. There is another way to know it. And that knowing is through our ever-expanding capacity to bear witness, to see into, to be curious, with compassion about what is active in us. What's here? Who are we? Discovering that there's always a deeper truth. There is always more to see. And that it's this seeing ultimately, that makes us agents of peace, of reconciliation, call it what you will. But what touches me about the simplicity of, of Thich Nhat Hanh's teaching of going to the breath is that 
we have this feeling that we yearn up out of ourselves. How can I find this higher vantage point, this greater awareness? We find it by sinking down into the body. Come home, as he always put it, as I put it, as you might think of it, come home to the living experience of the body, breathing in and breathing out, feeling the feet on the floor. And realize, as he once said, he was saying to this anguished Californian who never felt good enough, it's, it's fantastic to realize that we don't grant ourselves the belonging, the right to belong that a flower has. The, the space to relax and unfold that a plant or a tree has. So we come home to that elemental experience of being present and alive and the goodness of that and let ourselves take root in that. And then we allow ourselves one moment at a time to weather the storm of being alive. So let's sit together to, to taste that and then we can have an exchange. So take a comfortable seat. And by comfortable, I mean give yourself permission, full permission to be present, to be here, not in some better state, but in this state, exactly as you find yourself today. Whatever is alive in you or arising in you today, let that be welcome. Completely welcome here. And let your back be as straight as you can make it. so that you can be more present, body, heart, and mind. And just take in an impression of how it feels to be here right now in this body. And choosing an anchor for your attention, if you wish, it can be the feet on the floor, the hands in your lap, the rhythm of the breath, 
the weight of the body as a whole. It's gravity. And just notice how it feels to be in this body. Letting the attention travel wherever it wishes to. It might go to attention or pain or simply sink through the body. And notice that this attention is a light, a warmth, a seeing that isn't for or against. Just seeing. Just knowing, opening to. Everything happened to you, thinking and sensing and perceiving, picturing, and notice that you can come back to the body and to this presence that opens to receive without comment without judgment. Notice how it feels to just let yourself rest in presence, in sensation.
And notice that whenever you get taken by a thought or a feeling, you can gently come back again, come home to the body. And just sink into sensation. Allowing yourself to notice that presence is here. Opening to receive. Welcoming everything without judging. Notice that coming home to stillness, to softening, not resisting, actually opens you. Opening you to aliveness. To life. Noticing how alive you are, how connected to life, to breath, to perception. that you inextricably belong here. Part of life.
noticing you make this movement of return, of coming home to the body, that there is a presence that's inside and also outside you. Everything passed through. Noticing the tendency to cling or push away with curiosity and compassion. Noticing how it feels to be completely acceptable, everything that appears, every impulse, every thought, welcomed with kindness and interest. When you're lost, when you don't know where to go, come home to the body, to the sensation, and just sink down into your life.
glimpsing a presence that sees without comment. Welcome. Notice how it feels to belong to life, completely acceptable, worthy of interest and love. Seeing everything that arises as completely natural, like weather, subject to causes and conditions. And notice how it feels to be seen by an awareness that's completely calm, spacious, compassionate, accepting.
noticing how it feels to sit with others who are just like you in their wish for an awareness that doesn't comment or judge. For presence. so much for your practice and your presence and this is a time when we can share um, if we have a question or an experience from this practice sharing not so much our thinking but our lived experience with each other it'd be wonderful to hear from you and please don't raise your hand, just please feel free to speak from, from your presence, from your experience. When, um, when you use the, the metaphor of weather subject to causes and conditions, um, and I took it to be a, a meaning also not just about the weather, but about what we're experiencing. Can you say a little bit more about subject to causes and conditions? Yeah. Yeah, it's like in each of us, and it's like in Thich Nhat Hanh, the journal entry, he described glimpsing himself as a fabrication. At moments, we can experience ourselves um, when we're sitting or sometimes in other conditions, and you can find yourself, say, kind of shadow boxing. Um, you know, picturing some threat or encounter and and meeting it, that threat or that encounter with an argument or a defense. And sometimes you can even feel it in your body. Well, it always corresponds to postures in the body, a kind of contraction or bracing. And, and in a moment of seeing, you can glimpse that this is conditioning it's it's not our self as we usually think of it it's we're witnessing 
this kind of armature of defensiveness against pain or um, an anticipation of threat. And it's beginning to see that this is not something that's personal in the sense of being a sin or something, but it's something that arises like the weather, like, like it rains when the clouds are ready to let go of the rain. And I know that's not a very scientific way of describing weather, but um, it's like we are, in a sense, like a storm at times when anger breaks out or tears are unleashed. It's because the barometric pressure is just so. Do you understand what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, it's extraordinary to, it's an extraordinary gift of this practice. And that's what um, Thich Nhat Hunt's youthful epiphany was, to not take ourselves personally. Don't take yourself personally. It sounds so funny to say that, but to begin to see that what we witness and often what we're terrified that others will see is not something personal, but something that is arising due to causes and conditions. This happened, so that happened. That is the teaching of the Buddha. And we begin to become free as we begin to be able to face this, to draw close to it with this compassionate, sky-like awareness that can see the weather below. And then we discover, as Dick Nanat said in his journal, he said, I'm so much uglier and also more beautiful than I ever dared to realize. We're real. We touch a feeling of reality. When we let go of our fearful, uh, we, it's like we like to keep ourselves at a distance. Does that make sense? It, 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 it was a perfect metaphor for, for both things for me, and I, I, the explanation was uh, right on. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hi, Tracy. Can you, can you say more about this, the drama? You said something that made me go like, huh? Um, about really fully living the, the drama. Cause to me, that's like, I can be drama queen any old time, but that's not what we're talking about. No. And it was, it, it caught my attention, um, when I heard it so many, uh, moons ago, decades ago, because it was like the instruction, and again, words are funny things, and um, if a word doesn't speak, um, you feel free to reject it, but her, her, it wasn't her first language, English, 
but the meaning was in the same way, Thich Nhat Hanh, Rilke, well, you name it, well, women, people talk about the storm, that we see in ourselves a tendency to always want to get up above the storm or to be uh, above the drama, to not be a drama queen. And the instruction, the the real meaning of it was to let ourselves feel and sense and fully accept this kind of in, in allowing ourselves to really trust that there is an awareness in us that's expansive and ever more expansive and capable of just meeting and touching and being with how it feels to be us not in what we deem to be our best and most peaceful moments, but when we are raging or weeping or in doubt or in pain to not just quick do something about it, but to, to touch it, to see it, to face it, to give up our endless struggle to escape ourselves and to do just the opposite. It's like, and it can feel like, to extend the weather metaphor, like storm tasers, those daredevils that fly into the storm. It feels like it's going to be like that. And that the plane will fly into pieces. But we discover something quite different. When we, I won't spoil it for you, when we draw close, another vibrancy appears sometimes. And even peace. Tracy? I have a, um, would like a word or two about how we um, remember to be kind or to be uh, to ourselves when we realize that we've been distracted and come back. Um, it's sometimes the mind will say, oh, gosh, there I went again, when the instruction is really to do to be kind to ourselves, because that's what the mind does. So a word or two would be very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. And I would say just notice your tendency to be unkind. Notice the tendency to think that, that our, our practice is about being attentive when it's really about noticing the inattention. And that just notice, just notice kindness takes the form, Sherry, of just seeing, seeing with acceptance, seeing that I'm doing this now. It's like this now. And you can find yourself contracting or putting yourself in the back of the class. You know, I was doing so well, but I am now putting myself in the very back of the room. 
you know, Edna, you're doing that, right? Yeah. It's like this tendency to, to sideline yourself or give yourself detention and um, demerit and just see that with this kind of um, kindly, kindly acceptance. And so what we're doing moment by moment is expanding our awareness that now we can take in that aspect of ourselves, that constant tendency to judge and evaluate. And it's so it's so extraordinary. It's like Ahil Gibran, I think, said, um, God said, love your enemies, and I obeyed, I love myself. Um, which, it, it's extraordinary how hard we are on ourselves. It's like we allow ourselves to appear here, but very quickly, Ah, man, no, you did the wrong thing. What would it be like if we just saw all of it as natural? Natural. Just like the weather. That this conditioning arose in us through our education and our culture and our families. This is our drama. And, and consider how strange and wondrous it is that we can feel in our very bodies this tendency to contract and kind of tuck ourselves away or sometimes posture and be aggressive and but anything but to just be like a flower, just natural. Just allowed to be alive, to be just like this, open to be seen and to see. And our slow and patient work together is to begin to entertain. You don't even have to make a big leap of faith to crack open the door to see that that seeing is also you. You're not just what is seen. But that force of compassionate acceptance and love that sees. Tracy, you said during the meditation that all thoughts would should be welcome to neither cling nor push away. And I was having some images of um, traumatic experiences. And I wonder, what are you supposed to do with, with those images when they come up? Yeah, yeah, certainly you're not alone in including in this space, in this room. And the simplest 
Um, and I think sometimes the most helpful thing is to keep it really simple and come back to the body. As Dick Nanhat was saying, so you don't try anything except to see that you can come back to the sensation of the feet on the floor and the hands in the lap. Sometimes people can even hold themselves and, and that can be a beautiful practice. And sometimes if there's a great deal of agitation, you can do walking meditation and really focus in a very simple and kindly way on the feet, on moving. But again and again, and that's what touches me so much about um, Thich Nhat Hanh, especially as you let in his history in exile and so on, that again and again, it's the body, the rhythm of the breath, the feet, because this, and for all of us, even those of us who haven't had trauma, though to some extent we all have, is to know that this thing they call basic goodness, which can seem elusive to us or beyond us, is rooted in the physical presence of the body. This body that is breathing, that's sensing, that wishes to be here alive. This is a friend, like a noble friend, we can trust and take refuge in. Thank you. Yeah. And um, if you take away nothing else tonight, it's that we see this yearning, we touch a yearning in us to, to, as some people put it, transcend or to emerge into to this higher awareness. And the way to find it is to sink down into the body, into the heart. We scramble up into our minds and together at moments we're undoing that and dropping in into the body, into the heart, into the feeling, into sensation and discovering that there's a presence waiting. And even if you don't feel it, doesn't make any sense to you, you're making space for it. You're making space for a new way of experiencing yourself, knowing yourself. That's not in words but in seeing, in sensing.
and it's so beautiful too. I'm not gonna try to read the quote again, but his idea or what was expressed by Technion that even if we haven't met, and what's extraordinary is that some of us have not met in person. And yet in that place, and it's not a far out place, but in that just coming home to the breathing, just having an intention to open to the reality of our presence here. We meet there, something shared. And the Buddhists would call this body mind, heart mind. That our hearts, our body hearts can touch. So why don't we sit just for a minute or two and let our eyes close. And just notice your own beautiful presence. Don't strive, don't critique. And if that arises, meet that with kindness. Welcome it. Just notice the goodness of being here. And putting two hands together in our heart space, our body minds. We don't keep this goodness just for ourselves, but we let it shine out of us offering it to all beings everywhere in all worlds, past and present, future, plant and animal and spirits, people, all beings. And we offer ourselves, all of us, the wishes may we be safe and protected from all harm and danger inside and outside. May we all be as well as we can be given our causes and conditions. May we all live with ease of well-being knowing that we belong here, that we're welcome here. May we all know our basic goodness and may all of us without exception come to know what it means to be free entirely free of suffering.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your beautiful presence and practice. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for your kind donations. And keep me going. Keep us going. And take very, very good care of yourself. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye, thank everybody. Bye bye. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.